Hey, thanks for checking out this week's message. We hope you're blessed by the Word of God. For more information on River of Life, you can check out our website, rolmt.com, or download our app. Just search R-O-L-M-T in your app store. Thanks. Well, good evening, River of Life. I would joyfully wear those shoes if you will raise that money. It'll be great. So, uh... Thank you, Pastor Angela, for that. Um, Yeah, that'll be great. And we're excited to be able to bless as many families as we possibly can. As you know, the price of food is going up. And so we would like to um, get that situated as soon as we can so that we're able to make sure that we can buy all the things that we need at the prices while they're as low as they possibly can be. But we are, it's such a great, great time of the year because we have families that there's a lot of entities in town that, that will give out a turkey or give out part of a meal, but for us to be able to give them a whole box that has everything that they absolutely need to be able to cook that meal, um, we found early on in doing this that we realized we want to do the whole thing because what you don't want to do is hand somebody a turkey and say, bless you, because often what you do then, if somebody is struggling financially, you actually just handed them a problem, not a solution. Because if all I have is the turkey and I don't have any of the other stuff, or maybe even know how to make a turkey, then I've got to struggle now instead of having a solution. So we are able to give them not only the turkey, but we give them a basket that's got the whole meal in it with instructions how to make the meal. And so this has been an incredible, incredible blessing. So I just want to thank you in advance for making me wear those shoes. Um... I'm excited because we are just seeing God do some incredible things. I, I was not on campus today, but just hearing as I walk back onto the campus about the food bank and all the different places that we're reaching into. And we've got some exciting news that we want to talk about in the, in the weeks to come about just some of the vision and the direction that I believe God is leading his church. And so I just want to thank you in advance for just being such an amazing church family. I, last week, we were so blessed by how you honored the pastors of this church. Um, I, I told you a few weeks ago that, that I, have, I have lots of friends who are pastors and, and we'll, we'll share at times. I was, last year I was in a group of pastors and they were sharing, oh, this is what our church did for pastor appreciation. This is what our church did. And I didn't say anything because what you guys did so far exceeded what these other pastors were getting. And they were so excited about what they got that I was like, man, I don't wanna be that guy. That's like, oh yeah? <laughs> but I, we're just so blessed. And so I just, I wanna thank you on behalf of the pastoral staff. Uh, we wanna thank you for that. And we are gonna honor our other leaders as well. Just, um, we've got, you know, some of you asked like, what about Hunter and what about Nikki? And, and we're gonna honor them. Hunter is super close to becoming a pastor of this church. He's got just a few short steps that he needs to do, but, but we will also honor them as well. So I, just, I did want to take a moment before I got into the word today, and thank you for that. If you've been with us over the last few weeks, you know that we took a little bit of a break last week. We, we shared for just a few moments, and then the video said that we baptized 19, but when you include the one baptism that Star Valley did, that's 20 baptisms last weekend. And that was incredible to see because many of those were spontaneous. Many of those were people who made the decision the day of. They just said, in fact, it was crazy to watch our team. I'm just going to brag on them for just a minute. 
Because there was stuff that was going on in this room that you, you maybe were unaware of. And that is that there were people that were up running cameras for live stream that said, hey, I, I feel like I'm supposed to get baptized tonight. And so they're like, oh, okay, you fill in a camera. And then Hunter was running producer up in the live stream. And he thought he had one baptism to do last week. And so he grabbed a kid who had never done producer before. And was like, here, push these buttons. And I'm going to run down and baptize somebody. And, and as he did that, then more and more teenagers were coming up on Saturday night. And in the middle of it, so Sierra... And Janie are leading worship up here. And so uh, Janie knows, okay, if there's a teenager, Sierra's gonna go over there because she's gonna help baptize them. Well, then in the middle of that, Janie's little brother decides he's gonna get baptized. And so mid-song, I don't know if you noticed that, but mid-song, Sierra got up, grabbed the microphone, and started singing that song while Janie went over and prayed over her brother as he was getting baptized. David Mudd running sound upstairs for the live stream. His son decides to get baptized last week. I talked to somebody who watched live stream. And they're like, oh, so good. And I'm like, did it run okay? And they're like, yeah, it was great. And I'm like, good to know. Because if you could see all the inner workings of what was going on. But how fun is that? To just have people going, yes, yes, yes. Very exciting for us, and so we appreciate you celebrating that with those who were baptized, and uh, just an incredible weekend always. So I want to I want to talk to you for just a few moments as we wrap up this this pushback series. Um, our culture is piling lie upon lie, and I, I honestly, over the last couple of weeks, have been like watching things and reading things, and I'm always like, "Ooh, I could talk about this, and I could talk about that." But I realize the more we talk about how far away culture is going from biblical truth, it can get a little bit discouraging. And, and you know, if you, if you pay at all attention, you know there is thing after thing after thing that we could absolutely talk about. But I, I kind of want to step back from that for a little bit as we're going to wrap up this series because um, some of us are, are in a position where if we're paying attention, we see that, that Satan is doing everything that he can to push super hard against the church, against God, against his word, against truth. And Satan wants us to begin to see God as a truth and not the truth. And we talk about this a lot in here because I think it's something that as believers we really have to keep our eyes open to. And it's this idea that there are multiple truths. And, and part of the reason that you hear me talk about it so much is because it's such a, a deceiving way of getting us to just tweak our thinking just enough that we can begin to believe that, hey, you have your truth and I have my truth. And I've told you this before that by doing that, what we do is we eliminate truth altogether. And so the enemy is just so good because when you hear somebody say it, even, even this week, I was watching a couple of different shows and people that that I would normally think, oh, they're, they're pretty, you know, pretty smart and they've got it together and I'm listening to them talk and they would even say, you know, live out your truth. And I thought, man, even everybody is just kind of buying into this idea that there's so many different truths and, and, the, and, the, and we know that there's only one. But as I was thinking about that, I was thinking about Genesis chapter three and, and we're, we're talking about our enemy who is he's so cunning and he's so good at what he does Verse one, it says this, the serpent was the shrewdest of all the wild animals the Lord had made. 
One day he asked the woman, did God really say you must not eat of the fruit of any of the trees in the garden? And of course we can eat of the fruit from the trees in the garden. The woman replied, it's only the fruit from the tree in the middle of the garden that we are not allowed to eat. God said, you must not eat or even touch it. And we did, we did this verse a few months ago and I told you, actually God didn't even say that they couldn't touch it. He just said they couldn't eat. But if you do, you will die. You won't die, the serpent replied to the woman. God knows that your eyes will be opened as soon as you eat it and you will be like God, knowing both good and evil. Let's pray. God, in the next few moments, as we look at your word, I pray, Father, that you will show us something new. God, I'm so grateful because, Lord, we, we can be in this room tonight and we can know that, God, you are fully in control. Lord Jesus, it feels a little out of control, if I'm being honest, but I always have to come back to your word, and, and, and there's nowhere in there that says that there's going to be even a moment that you lose control. And so, Father, we just lean into that tonight, and we praise you for that. So, God, as we spend some time in your word, I pray, Lord, that you will illuminate it for us. God, I thank you for those who will be watching in Malawi and those who are watching in Star Valley and the North Slope of Alaska and those who will get the opportunity to watch this even in jail and in Deer Lodge. God, and we're so grateful that, Lord, you've, you've been doing what you're doing but God, I pray that wherever we find ourselves in our faith journey, that this idea of truth will penetrate our hearts and we'll understand how important this actually is. We give you all the praise in Jesus' name, amen. So I wanted to go back and look at this verse again because right from the beginning, Satan began to convince man slash woman to question what God says. It's like the very first thing that he does, he starts right out by saying, hey, God said that. But what you need to understand is that isn't actually true. Satan says, there's so much more for you if you don't get stuck within the limitations of God. Doesn't that sound like society today? Yeah. It's this idea of, yeah, that's, that's old fashioned or that's, you're limiting yourself or, or why don't you be more enlightened? Why don't, you, why don't you open your eyes a little bit and see the world the way that it actually is instead of, instead of filtering it through some ancient book? And so Satan, he's got the same playbook. He's just doing it a little different right now. And he's saying, you, you, need, to, you need to not pay such close attention to what God has to say. Because what God's doing is he's limiting you. He's holding you back. Think how much more you could be if you didn't, if you didn't, do, if you didn't go to that church on Saturday night or, or on Sunday morning or if you, if you didn't waste all that time in that book, if you just allowed yourself to just live, just be a good person. You can just be a good person. And if you do that, you'll, you'll still be able to bless other people, but you're just not limiting yourself. And Satan himself says to them, listen, you're limiting yourself. Man, God is telling you that, but if you don't listen, then all of a sudden you're gonna have, all this stuff is gonna open up to you. I don't know about you, but I got, I got people in my life who I know that, that when I talk to them about church or about God, about relationship with Jesus, in their minds they think, why would I limit myself? Why would I, why would I not allow myself to have all of the things? And that's right out of Satan's first playbook. It's the first play he ever ran. That tactic 
is so prevalent today. And even the church has become less and less concerned with the truth. Can I tell you that I think the church has become more concerned with being culturally savvy and relevant than it is worried about the truth. We, being the church, need to be reminded of the fact that God does his work through the truth. So when we sit back and we see culture diminishing, but we're fearful to speak truth, then part of that cultural uh, demise is on us because we're not speaking truth. Because God works through truth, right? That's, that's, where, that's where lives are changed. That's where things happen. That's where, that's where things move is when truth is spoken. And we can go, yeah, but some of this is harsh and it's hard and, and people won't understand it. And again, I bring you back and I've said this so many times, but I think it's so important that don't you dare put yourself into a position where you feel like you can edit the book. Don't put yourself into a position where you think, well, you know, you know, I'm a, we're a younger generation, and so we understand how this generation works a little bit more than maybe like the old school church. So we need, to, we need to disguise some things. We need to avoid some things. We need to not talk about certain things because it's going to really hurt attendance. It's going to really hurt the way people see us in the community. And I'm telling you right now that that may sound okay to you, like when you say it in your head, you go, well, yeah, because we're really trying to, to reach a different generation, and, and if, we, if we talk about some of this stuff, they're going to be offended and all this stuff, but can I tell you, the, 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 the one who wrote the book is the one who created this generation. You don't go to the one who manufactures the car and tell them, oh, I, I know how to do it better than you. No. He wrote the book and he created the people. So we've got to trust him and we've got to understand that so many times we are not proclaiming truth because we're fearful and God, should, we should not be walking out of a spirit of fear in any area of our lives. We are called to live the truth, to proclaim the truth and to not be ashamed of the truth. See, culture wars against truth. The enemy has done a great job at making those who stand for what is true appear to be unloving or intolerant. Everything has been twisted. We hear terms like absolute truth, and I want to tell you that that is actually a redundant statement. Truth is synonymous with the way things really are. That's what truth means. Truth does not mean what you think. Truth has been hijacked now to mean it's what somebody thinks. Like, when, I, when we say truth, what we need to know is, is when we're talking about any kind of a situation, there is events that actually happened, and that is truth. So over this last week, we had, once again, we had somebody decide that they needed some car parts. And instead of going to O'Reilly, like a normal human being, this person decided that they were gonna come and steal it out of our Hands of Hope truck. And so we have spent time reviewing the tape, watching the video, um, checking things. We're, so we're still in the process of that. But if we were to, if we were to take that video and, and, and they were to, to bring this, this guy into the police station and say, hey, this is what we see. We see you 
parking on the other side of the bank. We see you walking around the building. We see you scouting out the trucks. We see you opening the hood. We see you pulling the battery out of the trucks. And we see you doing X, Y, and Z. And the person could say, well, actually, that's my truth is that. I mean, there's a truth. That's what you did. We actually have it on video. We see you doing that. So I don't really care what your truth is because it's actually not truth. But for, for some reason, we even as the church have gotten into this space where we begin to almost entertain this idea of everybody can have their own truth. In, in a postmodern world, Truth has been redefined to mean your opinion, my opinion, and everyone else's opinion. Make no mistake that opinions are not truth. It's interesting because we are seeing people who are starting to wake up to this. And I, the church needs to wake up to it for sure. And I think, we're, I think for the most part, the church has been pretty good with this. I do think that there are times we skirt the truth because we want to not affect our, our, you know, our Facebook followers or our, our popularity. And, I, and, and we gotta stop doing that. Because, because there's a war on the truth right now. And there's gotta be someone that's willing to go and stand on the front lines and take the hits. But I'm watching as, you know, I mean, years back, J.K. Rowling was one that got canceled because she basically said, listen, gender is a real thing. We can't make that up. You can't say you're something. And, and, and now we, we saw this, this Netflix special is under attack by Dave Chappelle because he basically said that too. He said, gender's not fluid and that it is what it is. You were born a boy, then you're a boy. If you're born a girl, you're a girl. And there's not however many this week they've decided there are of genders. Right? It's called truth. But now the culture, because nobody wants to offend anybody, right? Offense is like the biggest thing ever. You can't, you gotta be so careful because if you say something, you might offend people. Can I tell you when Jesus walked the earth, he offended a lot of people. He did. He, he loved everyone, but a lot of what he taught was offensive to those who were in power and in authority. And so as we look at this, what we need, we need to understand is that that. We've got to come to a place where we, we go, you know what, enough is enough. I just heard this week that in some hospitals now, when a child is born, they tell you not to pick the gender, but to allow the child to pick their gender when they get older. Are you kidding me right now? Why? Because we've allowed truth to slip. The modern church so badly wants to be accepted that many will skirt the hard issues or will be, so they won't get backed into a corner. And if they do get backed into a corner, then you'll hear things like, well, the Bible isn't really clear on that. And it's just a, a nice way of, of not having to address something that might offend somebody. 
Some churches will say, well, God didn't actually write the Bible, so men skewed it, or, or you know, because it was, it was men that wrote it, that, that they've, they've you know, put their, their twist on things. We've had, we've had people who, who um, we're, we were close with that, that basically said, listen, here's the deal, that, that men were wanting to do bad things, and so they signed God's name to it, and that's why there's so much killing and all of that in the Old Testament, and so we can't believe the book. And I'm telling you right now, the problem with this is so dangerous because, because as dangerous as it is that big tech or Netflix or major TV networks war against the truth of the Bible, it's even more dangerous when those of us who call themselves by his name remove words from this book or remove things from this book in order to make themselves more popular and more appealing to the world. We have a generation of church leaders who want to be comfortable and popular at the expense of upholding the true word of God. Why am I talking about this? Because when the pushback comes, and it will come, those who seek comfort more than truth will be the first to fall. They will trade their status and comfort. They will trade for comfort and status the calling of being truthful and those who are pastors for being a true shepherd to their flock. John chapter 14, verse six. Jesus told him, I am the way, the truth, and the life, and no one can come to the Father except through me. This is a verse that we use often. It's, it's an amazing verse because it actually, um, it pushes back on this idea of um, the, the, coexist, the everybody, you have your way, I have my way. You'll, you'll hear people talking that are people of faith that will say, well, I believe this as far as, you know, Buddha, and I believe this, and, and can't we all just go along and get along, and, and I believe Jesus to be a great prophet, I believe Jesus to be this, whatever, but I'm just telling you right now that Jesus says, I'm the only way. There's one way. You can't tell me that that isn't pushing back. Jesus is, is like saying, listen, I know some of you don't even believe that I am who I say that I am, but I'm gonna, I'm gonna take it one further, and I'm gonna say, not only do I come from the Father, but I'm the only way to him. Yeah. Not super popular message, as we found out when the crowds changed from, you know, Hosanna to crucify him, right? But Jesus said, listen, truth, truth does something. When we speak truth, it, it makes a difference in people's lives. So he was unafraid. But I wanted to read that again because Jesus says, I am the truth. John 1.1 1, 1 says, in the beginning, the word already existed. The word was with God and the word was God. He existed in the beginning with God. God created everything through him and nothing was created except through him. The word gave life to everything that was created and his life brought light to everyone. The light shines in the darkness and the darkness can never extinguish it. Now I wanna stop there for a second because when we're talking truth, it is light and darkness can never extinguish light. The light can get turned off so that darkness can rule, but if the light shines, darkness has nothing to say about it. Verse 14, so the word became human and made his home among us. He was full of unfailing love and faithfulness. 
And we have seen his glory, the glory of the Father's one and only Son. So I want to stop here for a moment because as we're talking over the last weeks, we're talking about the Word. And this verse tells us that the Word became flesh and dwelt among us. So it's rare that you'll hear anybody, there's people who will say it, but very few people will denounce like, They'll say, hey, I'm not, a, I'm not a Christian, I'm not whatever. But most people will still, even if they don't say, I'm gonna follow Jesus, they'll still say, hey, I think Jesus was a good guy. I think whatever. But, but when we look at this, it's saying Jesus, the word became flesh and he dwelt among us. So when we diminish the word, we're diminishing Christ. Jesus is the word, and we must look for pushback on all sides. So it's glaring when the government is pushing back on the church. It's glaring when big tech is doing it or media. But when the enemy who is so cunning, he is the father of lies. When he has infiltrated the church and he's begun to do what Jesus warns us about when he talks about the tickling of ears... See, postmodernism is a term that you'll hear, but often we don't fully understand what it means. And one of the best definitions that I've heard is the denial of absolute truth. So when we hear this idea of postmodernism, it is this idea of, again, we don't need to be that structured in it. Like, that's cool. I like a lot of this book. There's some really good stuff in here. And it's, in a lot of places, it's very encouraging. But I don't need to believe the whole thing. I can just take the bits and pieces that I want because I'm not gonna believe it to be truth. But when we do that, we actually diminish Christ. And usually when people are removing parts, they're removing the Old Testament, which was the only part that had been written at that point. So when, they, when we hear that, we need to understand what's actually taking place is Satan is going back to his original play. And his original play is, hey, I get it, but you don't have to believe all that God says. You don't have to believe it all. And if you don't, you'll be so enlightened. You'll, 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 you'll look way smarter. You'll, you'll appear as though you've got it way more together than you do now. Because right now you look old-fashioned and you look, you look kind of silly. Because some of that stuff, like, culture's changed. The book never changed, so sometimes you gotta move with the times a little bit. You gotta pay attention, right? And that's what, that's what the enemy says. But God never says that. God never says that. We're always instructed, like, trust the word. Trust God. We are in a place right now where tolerance is the greatest of all virtues. It's not a virtue. Let me explain to you why that means. Because some of you are like, whoa, whoa, whoa. What are you saying? So I want you to hear me as I'm saying this. Because God loves everyone. And there is no part of this message that is intended to incite people to any kind of hatred or anything like that. The message is intended to put you on notice to stand guard for the truth. Because Jesus said for us to love those who are caught in sin. But postmodernism says to love not only the sinner, but love the sin. And there's a difference. 
Because Jesus, when he came up to a sinner, he would call out that they're sinning, all the while loving them. And then he would end those interactions with, now go and don't do it anymore. Right? Like, I see you, I love you, I accept you, I want you. But then those interactions would end with, but now be done with that and go and, go and serve me. Go and, right? But postmodernism says, no, 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 that's intolerant. You can't do that. You gotta, you gotta not only love them, but you gotta love them and let them stay where they are. But I'm telling you right now, if you see somebody that is on a trajectory towards death and destruction, and you, you, you don't say something, who loves more? The one who will stand and say, stop, stop. Or the one who says, hey, I just want you to be happy. The problem is that the book, in the book, there's consequences to sin. And so with that, we need to understand that the call of the church, and as we talk about this pushback series, the call is greater than ever before in that we don't know the day or the hour. We don't know when he's coming back, but some, some have felt like, hey, there, there are certain messages that have felt like, hey, we're gonna be separated and, and that as the church, we should just celebrate the fact that, yay, we made it. And, and people go, oh, but what about those who didn't? That's why we're talking about it. Because whose job is it? The fields are ripe. They're ready. So if the harvest isn't coming in, then what's the problem? It's, it's not, it's not the, the sun isn't doing its job. It's not that the rain didn't come. It's not that the, the field isn't there. It's that the harvesters aren't bringing it in. There is an arrogance that is beyond belief when a Christian leader will say God is too hard or complicated to understand, so they throw out part of the word. The destruction of the modern church will come through pride. And I want to tell you right now, it is the enemy's favorite tool because it is actually what made him fall from grace. If we get to a place where we feel like we've got it all together, and that we're going to talk about this for just a few moments because I think this is a good way for us to end this series. Pride is fed by an unwillingness to submit to the word of God and not humbling ourselves to his teaching. When we come to a place where we're unwilling to submit ourselves to his word and to submit ourselves to his teaching, then we become prideful. It is convenient, this is a convenient way for us as Christians to opt out of our God-given responsibility. When we begin to go, I don't know, you know, I don't know if I believe all of this, I don't know, man, there there are pastors that I know that they literally will discount a lot of this book, but they have authors who have written other books and they almost treated those as though they're the Bible, I 
I fully understand that some of the things that we've talked about in this sermon series have caused some controversy, but apart from the truth, nothing really matters. And so we have to get back to the truth. When we talk about what is coming, we need to be in the right headspace. The series is not meant to like, let's as the church rise up and have civil war. That's not what we're doing. But we are called to preach the gospel. And we are called to make him famous. And I hope that this series has been a preparation to the understanding that that calling does not change even when the world does. Times change, people change, circumstances change, but Jesus does not change. And he is our source of stability, even in the ever-changing culture. He is the rock on which we stand. He is the one. And so I want you, as we wrap this series up, to come to a place where you are able to find peace in the midst of the storm. The storm is raging, and it's going to rage more. And so we do need to have our eyes open. We do need to pay attention. We do need to make sure uh, over the last few weeks just talking about his word and that we're in it and that we're spending time and, and prayer. We need to be spending time on our knees in prayer. As I was writing this message this week, I was really drawn to this idea of pride and how, how hurtful pride is within the church. We can get to a place where we, we feel so proud of the way we are. Sometimes it can even be where, hey, I study the Bible so much and I know the word really well and, and all of those things that we can, get, we can get caught up in our own stuff and feel as though, well, I've, I've really got it all together. Well, I really think that the church should look like this or I think that, that we should be talking about this more. I think we should, whatever. And all of a sudden this pride boils up inside of us. And as we look at this, what I'm saying to you is for us to be really ready for this pushback, the best place that we can prepare ourselves, it's not in Shields gun department. You can go visit Shields gun department. I don't care about that. I'm just saying that's not, that's not what I'm talking about when I'm saying prep. How do we prep? We spend time in his word, but it also looks like this. Because if the enemy's tactic is pride, then the way we defeat pride is through a stance of hum humility. See, why is prayer so important? Because it puts us into this, into this position where we go, I need you. I don't know how to do this. I don't know what's next. The problem is we live in this society that says you can figure it out. You can push through. You can make it happen. You can get it done. That's pride. The enemy loves that. But when, we, when we're really preparing for the pushback and we do it this way, it changes everything. 
It's amazing because as we walk through this series, I've thought, rethought certain stories and we talked a few weeks ago even about Peter and Peter's in the garden and Jesus is being arrested and it's that moment of pushback. It's that moment where everything is gonna change for Peter. He sees them coming, they're going to arrest, so what does he do? He goes to Shields and he buys himself a sword. <laughs> and he pulls it out and he, and he lops the dude's ear off because he thinks this is how. This is gonna change everything. And Jesus puts the ear back and says, no, it's not what we're doing. And then Jesus does the most incredible thing. And in just a few moments, we're gonna spend some time celebrating what he did as we take communion together. But he does this incredible thing where he does the most unexpected. Like these guys are like, fight! And Jesus is no surrender. He surrenders himself to the guards. He surrenders himself to the authority of the day, even though he did not have to. He allows himself to hang on that cross. He allows himself to die. Why? Because that's where victory came from. For you and I to have victory today, he had to do that. So he allowed himself to die on that cross. And so when we talk about the pushback and what's coming, do we need to have our eyes wide open? Yes, we need to pay attention. You need to protect your children. Watch what they're watching. I'm telling you, there is stuff being put out on those streaming services that you have no idea what they're telling your children. Yeah. Pay attention. Amen. We gotta do those things. But what I'm telling you today is the most powerful thing that the church can do is to humble ourselves, to position ourselves. Because why? When we're doing that, what we're saying is, we're saying, we already know you won. Let me say that again. We already know you won. He defeated the enemy. He hung on that cross for you and me so that the victory has already been paid for. So I don't want the pushback series to be like, oh man, I'm freaked out. No, you don't have to be freaked out. And today we're gonna celebrate why you don't have to be freaked out. You ever DVR a, a, a game, football game, and somebody, this never happens to me at church when I DVR my Green Bay Packers, and I'm, I'm trying my best to say hi to everybody before I leave, but not hear the score of the game. And people are pretty good, but some people don't know, so they're like, oh man, your Packers pulled it off today. And I'm like, oh, come on. It's not the same when you go home and watch it then. I mean, if they lose, I probably won't watch it. And if they win, then I'm like, okay, well, this, this is like, uh, it's worrisome, but I know they're gonna win at the end. And if it's the Green Bay Packers, they'll wait till the very end to win the game. Because that's how they like to do it, apparently. But there is something comforting if you already know the outcome. You can go, oh man, I can't believe we fumbled it, but I know we still won. I'm telling you right now, we already won. So there's no need to nail bite and to freak out and worry. 
You don't have to do that. You're already on the winning side. So instead of that, what if we put our energy? Here's the deal. Sometimes, and I'm going to say this because I think a lot of times, especially now, we fight and we argue and we, we, we're ready, like Peter, we're ready to pull the sword. But if instead we said, you know what? I'm going to humbly come before my God. And I'm going to pray for those in my family who are not following. I'm going to pray for my neighbor. And that person that, man, they irritate me. <laughs> but man, I want them to know Jesus. See, we can try and argue them into the kingdom and it will never work. Or we can humble ourselves and pray. We can show kindness and grace and love and live truth, the truth, not my truth or your truth, the truth. And then put it in his hands. For some of you, that's hard because you're watching people that you love. And you're like, they gotta turn it around. He loves them even more than you do. And that day's gonna come when you put your trust in him. So today we're gonna take communion together because I wanted you to be reminded of the victory. There's a lot of bad news today. But the good news still stands. So if you didn't get a chance to grab one of these on your way in, they're back on the table in the back there and you're welcome to go and, and grab one as soon as we begin with worship again. But I'm just gonna ask you, whatever's going on in your life right now, maybe you just need to be reminded of the victory. If you're, if you're in the middle of a struggle, you're your kids are not serving God or your spouse is away or your marriage is in trouble or whatever it is that you're dealing with today, while you take communion, will you just say, God, I'm claiming the victory because you already won it. You already did it. So I wanna pray with you as we're gonna get ready for communion. Then you're just gonna be able to take it on your own. For those of you who are unfamiliar, there's one little flap at the top that you lift back and there's a wafer there. We'll hopefully get back to doing communion the way that we used to soon, but uh, and then the and then obviously the drink after that. But I just want to pray because this is such an amazing time. We're reminded of the amazing sacrifice of our Savior. He came and he could have defeated the Romans. He could have done all kinds of things, but out of his great love for you and me, he surrendered himself. And he said, I can win a small victory today or I can win the ultimate victory on that cross. I'm so grateful that we serve a God who loves us that much. God, we're grateful today. And as we take communion, Father, we just thank you because you laid yourself down. You gave yourself up for us. So Lord Jesus, we just pray that we will be reminded tonight of your victory. Lord, I know that the time right now is hard. Things are crazy and they feel out of control. But God, we can stand here knowing because your word is true that you already won the victory. So tonight we're gonna claim it. Lord, I pray for the families who are struggling tonight. I pray for those who are battling illness this evening. 
I pray for wayward children tonight, for marriages that are on the brink, for relationships that are broken, for households that are falling apart. God, as we take this bread and as we take this cup, we're remembering what you did and we're praising you for it and we're standing on that victory. So God, we do give you all the praise in Jesus' name, amen. You can take communion whenever you feel ready. Will you just worship with us as we do that? Hey, thanks for listening. River of Life is a ministry in East Missoula, Montana. We exist for one purpose, to make Jesus famous by showing his love to the lost, broken, and hurting. For more information, you can check us out online at rolmt.com. If you've made a decision to follow Jesus today, we'd love to talk to you about what comes next. Shoot us an email at nextstep at rolmt.com. Thanks. Thanks.